Isaiah chapter 5. Really what's on our heart is verse number 13. And verse number 14 is the result of verse number 13. You know, there's a, a great opportunity been given in these first few verses. The hand of the Lord has been outstretched. And I don't know how much that we'll get to, but we may have to look here a few times. Isaiah chapter 5, Now I will sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes, and now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. I'll break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. I will lay it waste. I will not. It shall not be pruned nor dig, but there shall come up briars and thorns. And I will also command that clouds, that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry. We could read more, but let's just think on this part. And, and, and again, I'd like for you to think about verse number 13 and verse 14. The Bible says in 13, Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. And their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. So, to think on a people that have had such great opportunity. And you know, I, I would say this, I really believe this today, that there's a greater opportunity today to know about and to know the Lord than ever has been in history. As far, I'm saying of the opportunity, whether, you know, you want to look at the Bible in 15 diff different translations, you can. If you want to hear preaching 24 hours a day, you can. If you want to hear Joseph teach, you've got an opportunity to do that. And not just Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. You've got opportunity after opportunity. You've got opportunity to hear somebody that's your favorite, somebody that is speaking on a subject that you want to learn about, there is great opportunity today. But I believe that we're living in a time that there's less knowledge of God seemingly than ever has been by the majority. I believe there's a few folks that are taking advantage of the opportunity and coming to a greater knowledge of God maybe than other generations have. But I'd like for you to just think about this. The Lord starts out in this chapter, and He says, I want to I tell you about my vineyard and my beloved touching His vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard and a very fruitful hill. You know, I, I, I believe you could say it like this that Israel had an opportunity that nobody else had 
in the book of Isaiah, we'd have, we'd have to bring it to that place. But you know, for us in this community, I believe we have a greater opportunity than maybe a lot of other people have. And the Lord said, I, 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 I put my vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And you know, as you think about that, I thought about this, that it was new ground. It was new soil. It was, it was planted in a place where there was such a great opportunity. You know, I believe we could say this, if you are saved today, you know, we can certainly cool off, can't we? So with this opportunity, God has planted that vineyard in the heart. If I just take me, for example, a heart that was headed down the road of sin and rebellion, and God planted His Word and planted the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart, what shall we do with that? Have we cultivated that? Have we worked on that? Have we realized what God has done for us in sending us His Word, in bringing conviction to our hearts, in, in sending the Word of God, and have, have I received that Word? Has that Word of God been planted in my heart? You know, I could be, we could be sitting here tonight and people be lost. We could be here tonight and the Word of God's been expounded on and been preached on and been explained and, and, and been uh, applied and been brought to our attention for this day and this hour. But has it been planted? The Lord said, uh, My well-beloved had a vineyard and a very fruitful hill. You know, the, and, and He fenced it. You know, I think about this. If a man was going to grow a vineyard, if you was going to grow a, a crop, and you just growed it out in the middle of, uh, uh, of all the surroundings, you know, the cattle might eat it. The, the, the wild beasts might tear it down. At my house, I say this, you can't plant an apple tree. You can't plant that. The deer will tear it all to pieces. They'll kill it before it's a year old. Uh, every time that it starts to get a little growth on it, you know what the Lord did? The Lord fenced it. The Lord put a hedge about it. If you're saved tonight, God put a hedge about you. And uh, the Word of God says this, that it put a, He put a tower in it. <coughs> he put a watcher over the vineyard. He put a watcher. And, and I believe you could say this, that the Holy Ghost and, 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 and the Word of God the preaching of the Gospel. He put a watcher. He says over in the book of Hebrews that that man that's preaching the Gospel, you know what he's doing? He's watching out for your soul. He's trying to help you about your soul. But you know, we're living in a world today that doesn't really know. I tell you, we don't seem to have a knowledge of sin anymore. I believe you could say this. He said it in Matthew chapter 25, I believe. He said, because iniquity abounds, lawlessness, because iniquity abounds, the love of many has waxed cold. So the Lord has made a great investment in this vineyard. The Lord has done great things. I, I, he planted it. He had a vineyard and a very fruitful hill. So He didn't plant it in a place. And you know something? Thank God He didn't plant me in a place where I was going to die. He planted me in a place that I could grow. He planted me in a place that I could be fed. He planted me in the place where what God put in my heart could be cultivated. And, and, and again, He fenced it. i tell you what He did. He gave me the Holy Spirit and He told me when I was about to get out of the pasture. He let me know when the wild beast was coming in. He put a watchman. He put a tower there. And He put a watcher in the tower uh, to warn me, to guide me, to direct me, uh, to tell me uh, that the enemy was coming, the wild beast is coming in. 
in. You know what he did? I tell you, I believe the watcher uh, up there in the tower, it might have been that the wild boar come and, and, and that rock wall, uh, that hedge that he put around it. It might be that the wild boar uh, tore a portion of it down. You know what he does? He comes by and he says, listen, uh, there's a part of the wall in your life uh, that's being tore down. You need to get out there and fix that. You need to repair that because the devil's going to come in. The wild boar's going to come in. When the holes opened up, it won't be long till what I've planted in your heart is going to be destroyed. He said, my people have no knowledge. I wonder, do we really, do we really know about sin today? He's going to say a little bit farther in this chapter that it's come to a day that they call good evil and evil good. You know what? We're living in a world that sin, there is no sin any longer. But know this, friend, that sin cost the Lord Jesus Christ His life. That Jesus died on the cross because I'm a sinner. I, I, I believe that we think today somehow we're going to get by. Somehow sin is not that bad any longer. I bet the wages of sin is death. And I tell you, he's not talking about dying at 70 years old and that's the end of it. He's talking about dying eternally. Uh, friend, I, I believe that we forgot about the payment for sin. I believe that we've, we've, we've uh, forgot and we don't really remember or we don't really know uh, what it looked like at Calvary on Friday afternoon when there was a man hanging there that was beaten beyond recognition and his visage was marred more than any man and he didn't even look like a human being and that was because of my sin and your sin and the sin of everyone that will ever be saved. I wonder, how do we really know about sin today and the payment and the price for sin today? My people are gone into captivity. My people are, have been exiled. The word really means denude. What's happened to people? I tell you what's happened. The word denude means they've been brought into captivity and most likely they've been stripped naked. They've been exposed. They've been revealed. For lack of knowledge, my people have been revealed as to what they really are. I'll say this, outside of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, a friend there, every one of us are going to come to a day of revealing. There's coming a day that we're going to be stripped off naked. Uh, there's coming a day, uh, today we may have it hid. Uh, today we may fit in. I believe it was just exactly like that. You think about Adam and Eve. Uh, friend, when, when the day, the afternoon come, you know what they did? Uh, they got them some fig leaves and they put them on and they hid themselves amongst the trees. What were they trying to do? Uh, they were trying to do the same thing that's going on in our world today. Uh, people that are lost and people that are naked and people that are unsaved are trying to blend in with the rest of the trees. Adam and Eve, I freak, you know, they, they didn't go out and get corn stalks. Uh, they didn't go down and get uh, uh, some other uh, vegetation and try to put it on. Uh, they put fig leaves on and hid themselves among the trees uh, to try to blend in. I believe that's the way we're living today. We're living in a world, a friend, that man has forgot. Man has forgot the payment for sin. Man has forgot that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. Man has forgot the purpose and the persons that Christ died for. I'll tell you, the Lamb of God, I came to this world because you and I were going to hell. And friend, because of sin, He had to die. My people go into captivity because they have no knowledge. What an opportunity has been given. He fenced it and he gathered out the stones thereof. You know, he, 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 he removed the hindrances. 
He got those things out of the way that was hindering me from growing. And the Word of God says this. Now you think about this. He gathered the stones out. He says over in Ezekiel chapter number 36, I believe it is. Ezekiel chapter 36. You know what He's going to do to us? I tell you, He said, A new heart will I give unto you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart, the, the stony heart out of the flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, a heart that is sensible, a heart that is soft, a heart that is penetrable, a heart that's not like a stone. I wonder today, has our heart become hardened again? Have we hardened our heart against the Word of God? Have we hardened our heart against the Savior? Have we hardened our heart, uh, friend, because of the world that we live in today? Uh, the iniquity abounds. You know what we've got today all over America today? And it's one of the last places, uh, friend, on the face of the earth. A uh, friend, but one of the last places on the face of the earth. A uh, friend, America is calling wickedness good. America is calling good a uh, wicked. America uh, is parading sin in our face every moment of every day on every social media upon the mass media everything that you look at as some uh, a means of portraying wickedness and ungodliness and man has become desensitized to it man is for God and there is a world and a generation of people that has no knowledge of God today because my people have no knowledge you know something friend if we don't stay in the Word of God and stay in the proclamation of the Gospel and find ourselves praying and begging God to help us, we're going to become so desensitized out of the world that we're living in today, friend, that we're going to find ourselves. We're going to find ourselves having no knowledge. We're going to find ourselves brought into captivity. We're living in a world today, friend, that everybody's saved. Everybody's going to heaven. It doesn't matter how how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter whether you're faithful to God. It doesn't matter whether you're faithful to church. It doesn't matter how you live. Any way you want to do is fine. It's okay today. I'll tell you, God help us today. We're living in a world that has no knowledge today. God help us as God's people that we not fall into this trap the blessings of God makes us weak. The blessings of God desensitizes us. The blessings of God... I'll tell you what happens. We forget who brought us here. We forget how we got here. Listen to what the Bible said. He said, I'm going to take away the stony heart. What did He say? He said, I'll gather the stones out. Oh, thank God there was a time. There was a time in my life, a friend, that you, you could have told me all about Christ. You could have told me about being saved. And my heart was hardened to that. A friend, that did not affect me. But I'll tell you today, the Word of God can come. A friend, God, bring up my sin. A God, bring up my ungodliness. God, bring up my laxness. And it bothers me. Thank God He gathered the stones out. A friend, and He gave me a heart of flesh. He gave me a heart. I know Him. He knows me. And I know today, a friend, that sin has got a price on it. I know today why Jesus came and died. I know today we're living in a world that has been little or no knowledge about God. And it's in the church too. It's in the church that people don't know God. I'm going to change their heart. I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. I'm going to give them a heart that can be moved on. I'm going to give them a heart that can be touched. I'm going to give them a new heart. He said, I'm going to gather the stones thereof and plant it with the choicest of vine. You know what he put in? He didn't go somewhere and dig up something or go graft something. He put a portion of Himself in everyone that is saved. It, he said, I'm the vine, right? I'm the vine and you are the branches. He planted Himself in my heart. 
in my life. He planted Himself. What's He looking for? I tell you, He's looking for something that is likened unto Him. He's looking for something that exalts Him. He's looking for grapes, a friend that looks like fruit that came from the Lamb of God. He's looking for fruit today. I tell you, He's not looking for all of the outward mess and the outward show. He's looking for something that comes from the heart that will glorify the One and friend that will glorify the vine. There ought to be fruit on my life, on my branch, that will glorify the vine. But again, my people are gone. Now who are these my people? Who are my people? Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished. Their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. You know who these people are? You might say, well, preacher, they're saved. Or you might say they're not saved. I'm going to say this. I believe this will cover it. They are Israel as God's chosen people. There may be some saved people. I believe there was some saved people went to Babylon. Do you believe that? You think Daniel was saved? You think there was... Well, there was a multitude of lost people went to Babylon as well. But they were God's people as far as a nation. You know, I, I remember this as I was thinking on this. I was at the gym one morning. It's probably been eight or ten years ago. And there was a guy that, uh, a good friend of mine, and, and we was talking about something, and I said, I, I said, I, I, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I can't, I, I can't do that. He said, man, I'm a Christian too. And what did he mean by that? He meant that he was raised in America. He meant that his mother and father believed in God. He meant that he had been raised that way. He was a Christian. That's the world we're living in today. We're living in a church world today because my name's on the roll, because I've always been raised that way, because I believe in God. Friend, I think that I'm a Christian. No, I wonder, do we really know God? My people are perishing. My people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. I wonder, I wonder if we know what the Lord has done. He said, I, I planted I, the choices to bind and I build a tower in the midst thereof. Isn't that something? Isn't that something that right in the midst of a man, in the midst of a woman, God put a watchtower? God put a tower, and I'm not talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm talking about God put Himself, He the Holy Ghost, on the inside of you. I friend, I Brad calls an alarm system, and I thank God He put something in my heart. He put a watcher in there. And you know what I can't do? I can't do what I used to do. I can't do what others can do. I can't do that. You know why I can't do that? Because I know Him. He put, a, he put a tower in the midst thereof. Right in the center. You know what the heart is? The heart is the center of the emotions, of the thinking of the whole character of the man, the heart is the center. I'm not talking about the blood pumper. I'm talking about the center of the thoughts and the emotions and the mind and the workings of man. A God put a tower right in the midst of that. A friend that you and I, I wouldn't venture away from God. And when I start to stray, the alarm goes off. The watcher speaks. And you, you, you think about that. You think about those towers out there at the prison. They somebody getting out? I tell you, you talk about an alarm coming from the tower. 
You're talking about an alarm going off. A friend, when a man begins to break out, begins to go out, aside of what God has fixed in and hedged in and where He took the stony, uh, the stones away, a friend, I tell you, there's an alarm going off and God lets us know what's going on. But you know, I tell you, it's so easy. It's so easy. I, I, I believe I could be like this. I believe I could just get used to sinning. I believe I could get used to the alarm going off. I believe I could just get to the place how that it's going off all the time. You know what? We don't pay any attention anymore. Is God going to allow that to go on? I planted it with a choice of vine. I put a tower in the midst also. And I made a wine press therein. So out of this same vineyard is the planting is the tower and a wine press. Now, what comes out of the wine press? The juice from the grape, right? And what was the wine for? What is it symbolic of? Joy. Where does that come from? Would you say from the heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So should there be praise? Should there be glory? Should there be honor for the one that planted this choicest of vine that planted the Lord Jesus Christ and left He the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you? Our friend, should I cultivate this vineyard? Should I work on this vineyard? Should I watch the wall? Our friend, should when the alarm goes off, should I say, God, what do you want me to do? Should I say, God, what's going on? Should I I say, God, is there a break in the wall? And when the alarm goes off, should I say, God, what would you have me to do? My people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. You know, I can ignore the alarm, can I? How long has it been since a fire alarm smoke detector went off at your house? Do you remember? You remember the last time one went off at your house? You remember it. How about that? You don't get used to that, do you? I mean, that is a warning to warn you to flee. But this Word of God, this Word of God and that Word from the Watcher, I'm afraid we can get used to that. We can get used to that sound. We can get used to that. And you know what we do? We just tune it out. I told you I had a little little indicator on my electric fence. And a little indicator on the electric fence is just exactly opposite of what the fence box does. The fence box, I can drive down the driveway and I can... You come to just the right place and I can look through a crack and see through a crack in the barn door and I can see the fence charger. It's got a digital on it. And I can see it going across as it, as, it, as it fires. But that little indicator, i got it sitting right there as I drive by it every day. And when it goes off, it's when there's no power on the fence. I notice that. If it blinked red all the time, I'd never notice it. But God is warning us. Listen to what He says. He says, Now, O inhabitants, I I look that it should bring forth grapes. Now let's think about this for a moment. If God's looking for grapes, He's looking for grapes like the vine He planted, didn't He? You know what I was? I was a wild I was a wild vine. I believe he says it over maybe in uh, Romans that we were a wild olive. And he grafted into us. That's what I was. I was a wild grape. But he grafted into me and he planted in me the choicest of vine. So if there's wild grapes coming off of my life, 
It must be that there's more of more of me showing and coming forth and producing than there is the Lord. It must be that what God planted in my life and what God has done for me has been forgotten and really what I'm working on is what interests me and what suits me. He's going to say that just a little farther in about verse number 8 and following. He, he's going to talk about that. You know, and we're, we're living in a world, a friend, where man is wanting more and more and more and more of the world. We have no time for God. No time for the one that planted the choices vine. No time for the one that gathered the stones out, that set a watcher and put a watchtower, uh, that put a wine press. You reckon the Lord would like to have some praise and that joy flow out of our heart and out of our lives for what He's done for us? I'm not trying to be ugly. I, I really want to get to that. My people have no knowledge. But you, you, you think about this. Let's go just a little farther. What could have been done? You know what the Lord says? I believe He says it like He says it over in Hebrews. You judge. What should? What could have been done more? Let's think about that logically for a moment. So I was on the road to hell. God come by. It was He. It was He who came by. Brought me under conviction through one of His servants that preached to me the Gospel, the Holy Spirit convicted me. He gave me the faith to believe that Jesus died for me. He got me up out of an altar, started me on the road of life. My God, He did every bit of that. He did all of that. He planted and put the Holy Spirit in my heart. He gave me a portion of Himself Gave me an alarm system to tell me when I'm getting out of line, getting out of the uh, out of the vineyard. He give me an alarm system and tells me when uh, there's a portion of the wall told, uh, tore down. He says, "What more could I have done? Why is it that that what I'm looking for is not what I'm getting?" Can you see that? Can you see that the Lord is looking for something in particular? From his planting. And, and, and by the word of God, he says he's not getting that. If he planted the choicest of vine and is getting wild grapes, again, I, I really believe this. What's going on is I'm the one in control. He's not in control of my life. I'm going on on my own whims. I'm going my own way. I'm doing my own thing. I'm trying to gain verse number 8 through about number 13. A man is desiring the pleasures of this world, the blessings of this world. Man is seeking after more and more of this world. A man is after entertainment. A man is after being drunk. A man gets up in the morning and his desire is to be drunk. I, I, I don't think I realize in this situation it may have been by a portion, but the, the thing is, man is drunk on the world and not filled with the Spirit. That's what he said in Ephesians. Be ye not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Do I have the Spirit? Do I need to cultivate the Spirit? Has He planted His Word in my heart? Am I, am I saved by the grace of God? Has He given me the Holy Spirit? Has He sent a watcher? Has He given me a word from God? Has He given me an opportunity? A oh, friend, do I have the means? I do, I do, I do. I have the means. What am I doing with what God has given me? Why are people... Gone into captivity. I believe you could say this. They got up in the morning with a purpose to be drunk that day. Man gets up in the morning and his purpose is to gain some more of this world. Have you ever got up in the morning and desired to get something from God? 
Have you got up in the morning and say, Lord, would you give me a word? Would you give me something? Lord, would you allow your word to speak to me? Would you allow something to come off of the page today? Lord, would you give me something new today? Uh, God, would you would you help me, oh God, to get the weeds out of my vineyard? Would you help me, God, out of repair the wall that's fallen down? Would you help me, oh Lord? I don't want to be one that has no knowledge of you. You know what Paul said way, way down in his life? Oh, that I might know him. Did he really say that? A man, a man, Second Corinthians was written about 60. Philippians was written about 64 and he said this, And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is through the law, but that which cometh by faith, that I may know him. A man that most likely has been living for the Lord at least 30 to 35 years has been to the third heaven. What he said? Seen things that were not lawful to be uttered. And here is a man that wants to know more about the Lord and the power of His resurrection and His suffering. Do we know? Do we really know about the Lord today? I ask you, you be honest. It's, it's you. You've got it in your mind. How much time today have you spent in the Word of God, in prayer, in searching the Scriptures, in meditating on the Word of God? How much time today has been spent on that that the vineyard of the Lord might produce something like Him? Now multiply that by five. And then Saturday, Saturday could go for the Lord or it could go even more toward the world, couldn't it? So are we living in the midst of a generation of people that don't know the Lord? That have no knowledge? You know what the Bible said about when the flood came? That the flood came and they knew it not. Noah's building a 450 foot ark. 75 foot tall. Or 75 foot wide and 45 feet tall. Preaching the Word of God. And the flood's going to come and take them unaware. It's happening every day. Every day of our lives are people going out to meet God. Think? They're right. They're Christians. They were born in a Christian nation. Sin's not that bad. I'm not like so-and-so. Man's got him away figured out. But the truth is, they have no knowledge of God. My people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. Do you know what you have to do to go to hell? Sin one time. Sin one... Have you ever sinned? Have you ever sinned? You know you're a candidate for hell. You know you're going to hell. You've you've already broke the law. You've already failed. You've already come short of the glory of God. There's nobody. Is there any good? No, not one. I, I believe today all over our world, everybody's going, aren't they? Have you considered what the Word of God says? Do you know what the Bible says about the payment for sin? Do you know what the Bible said about Jesus Christ? Do you know why Jesus came? I ask you today, do you know that He came for you? I'm not saying the world in general. I'm talking about you. Do you know that He died for you? Do you know that He took away your sin debt? Do you know down in the depths of your heart, do you have the affirmation? Do you have the assurance? How do you have the witness of the Holy Spirit of God that He died for you? I can tell by the look on your face. 
My people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. The Lord said, I want you to judge. He said that in Hebrews chapter number 10, I believe. He, he, Hebrews... Maybe it's Hebrews chapter... I believe it's Hebrews chapter 10. A familiar Scripture. He says it like this. He that despised Moses' law. I ask you this. You think the law of God's despised today? You think the laws of the land are despised today? You think that man is continually spitting in the face of God today? And you know, because it's his or Chris or the Rex or the Vaughn or the Linda Gale, you know, God doesn't know anything about it. Reckon he doesn't. God doesn't know about our sin. God doesn't know. I wonder, do we know him today? And he said this in Hebrews. He said, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. So these three fellows right here, or two of them, could witness against me. You know, there's somebody said, Moses, this fellow over here been picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. You know what they did? I think. Picking up sticks. Picking up sticks. What kind of world are we living in? Picking up sticks. No mercy. Two witnesses. Dead. He says this. I want you to tell me what you think. Of how much sore punishment would you think He would be worthy of who is trodden underfoot the blood of the covenant and the grace of God? Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed His blood that you and I could be brought into the family of God. If they killed a man and brought him to death for picking up sticks on Saturday, on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day, if they killed a man for picking up sticks, what's going to happen to you and I who have trodden underfoot the grace of God and the blood of the covenant? Has He done anything for you? What do you think He would expect out of us? That's what He says in verse number verse number 4, verse number 5 here. He says in verse number 4, what more? Uh, verse number 3 says, Judge you, I pray. Judge, I pray you betwixt me. I believe He's saying this. Who's at fault that all I'm getting is wild grapes? Who's at fault here? If God's not getting any real sweet praise, if God's not getting anything coming off of our lips that radiates out of our heart, the Lord says, I want you to judge between me and my vineyard. Who's at fault here? You know who's always at fault? I am. I'm always at fault. But notice, notice these first two verses. Everything that He has done that I could bring forth good fruit, that I could bring forth praise, that I could follow Him. Listen, folks, this is what He said. I could, what have been done more that I have not done? What would you have God to do that you might love Him and you might serve Him? that you might want to serve Him. What would God have to do to stir your heart to want to spend time in His Word and with Him? And I know this may be a sore spot, but rather than watching the television, isn't it amazing that people can watch hours and hours and hours And God said, I want you to judge. What do I need to do? What could I have done more that you would want to spend time with me? Isn't that really what He's after? Us spending time with Him. This is what He says. And you know, you, you, can, you can 
throw it out. I'm telling you folks, we're living in a world that does not know anything about God. They don't know anything about sin. They don't know anything about why Jesus came. They don't know who He came for. We're living in a world today that thinks, you know, the good are going to heaven. There are no good. You know why, you know why they think that? They don't know their Bible. They've never read the Word of God. They won't go and sit under the preaching of the Word of God. They're ignorant. They do not understand what God's requirements are. But the Lord said this, Go to now, I tell you. I tell you what I'm going to do. This is what the Lord said. With all that God has invested in me and all that God has invested in you, the Lord said this, if you're not going to produce, if all that's going to happen in your life is fruit that looks like you and smells like you and tastes like you, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take away the hedge. Let me ask you this. What happened when God took down the hedge at Job's house? Even as a lost person, do you know that it's by the mercy of God that you've got what you've got? Do you know that it's by the protecting hand of God that the devil hadn't been turned loose on you? He said, I'm going to take away the hedge and it'll be eaten up. You know them apple trees I bought? <laughs> it's disgusting. You go out there one morning and your apple trees eat off and it's about that high. The hedge is gone. The stone wall is tore down. The Lord said, I'll take away the hedge and it'll be eaten up. I'll break down the stone wall, the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. Can you imagine now you've got a vineyard, you've got a patch of corn, you've got five acres of tobacco, and friend, the wild hogs get in it. They're going to root it up. From the bottom up, they're going to tear it up. They're going to trample it. Uh, the little grapes, the little foxes spoil the grapes. I tell you, those little things, those little things on and on and on, they destroy the vine. You know, those deer, they come and they, just, they start up there in the top. All of that tender stuff, they start eating the top. They just keep working their way down, don't they? Anytime there's any new growth, they're going to eat it off. Why? Why are they trodden it down? Why? Why are they? Why are they eating it up? He said, "Because I, I. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take away the hedge. I'm going to eat, let him eat it up. I'm going to break down the wall, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned. You know what God does? I tell you, God gets out the pruners. God gets out the pruners. You know what it does? It's painful. It's painful." Uh, God gets out the pruners and, 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 and you know, I, I cut some roots the other day uh, on some walnut trees. And I mean, they're bleeding big time right now. Already, they're already pouring the water out of it. God comes by and prunes me. And friend, it's painful to my old flesh. But you know what He's doing? He's pruning me that I might produce something like Him. Let me tell you what's going to happen. God said, I'm going to quit pruning you. I'm going to quit pruning you. Look, look at the result. He said, I'm going to lay it waste. It shall not be pruned. I'm not going to dig about it. I'm not going to get the weeds out of it. I'm not going to get rid of the crabgrass. I'm going to let them grow up right around, right around the root system. I'm going to let it grow up all around it. I'm not going to work on it any longer. But there shall come up briars and thorns. That's the natural result of God. Stop pruning. Stop dealing. Stop sending a word. That's exactly what's going to happen in my life and your life. 
the thorns and the briars are going to take over our vineyard. Am I going to have to work on this if you plan on having a relationship and bringing forth good fruit? You're going to have to work on it. You don't want... (laughs) The truth is, folks, we work on everything else. But the most important thing in all of life, we're blinded by the lights and the lightning and the thunders and, and, and the flashing lights of this world, we are taken away from that that is the most important. And if, if, if you don't work on it, and if God quits working on you, the vineyard is going to be destroyed. It's going to be absolutely destroyed. I w- listen, I'm, I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to quit pruning and quit digging, and it's for my good. I'm going to quit doing that, and the thorns and the briars are going to come up. And he said, I'm going to command. I'm going to command that the clouds don't rain. No, there's something unnatural. God is saying, I'm not going to let it rain on your vineyard. My God, if I don't get any word of God, that's the water of the word. If I don't get any word of God, my vineyard is going to dry up. If He ever stops letting it rain on my vineyard, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. For the vineyard of the Lord is the host of the house of Israel, and the men of Judah, you know what the vineyard is, it's people. It's still people today. You and I are the vineyard of the Lord. His pleasant plant, and He looks for judgment, but behold, oppression, and for righteousness, but behold, a cry. The next few verses, He's going to tell us what they're working on. They're working on more. They're working on pleasure. They're working on enjoyment. They're working on entertainment and God said my people are going to go into captivity because they don't know what I've done for them they don't know how I've blessed them they don't know the God that has given them what they've got God help us not to forget what God has done for us